0: Hey, this is Sandra. This is Jess. And this is Emily. And you are listening to Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls Rewatch podcast.
1: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com.
2: Alright, we are back with the bits part two of our Lorelei Out of Water episode. And right off the bat here, we are going to have a summary from Emily.
0: Good luck. I did it. I prepped. I came in right at the zero mark when I tested. So as long as I don't stumble too much, I think I should be good. But let's, let's see how this ends. Yes. Count me down. Three, two, one, go. It's official. Lane's band is moving into the Gilmore garage and the girls have to clean it out. Taylor has started construction on his soda shop, apparently before the lease is even signed. Dave makes mean comments to Lane to keep their love a secret, and Zach hits on Lorelai, who, by the way, has her first date with Alex. Second date to be a fishing date. Lane has gotten a maybe to go to prom, and the Kims are hosting a wedding for Lane's cousin. The battle between Rory and Paris continues, and Paris wants Rory to resign from student council. Luke finally signs with Taylor's lease and gets a date out of it with Taylor's lawyer. Luke also agrees to teach Lorelai how to fish. Alex Dawson makes an appointment at a spa for Lorelai. Lane meets young Chu, her prom date, not Dave, because he's not Korean. Episode ends with Jane's Mansfield in the Gilmore Girls tub
2: I mean I think we need to get a timer that has milliseconds because (laughs) I think I
0: feel like you made it I started beeping what do you think I started beeping in my ear when I said Gilmore Girls tub I
3: think it passes because it was kind of more of a joke at the end yeah I'll give it to you
2: that (laughs) was like I felt like halfway through you got faster I, f-
3: yeah. I felt the pressure. I'm just, I'm just so surprised every time, like, right, it, every time I'm like, wow, this girl's on fast forward, and it's weird.
2: I wish I feel like none of our none of our listeners have ever read, written in to give their thoughts on Emily's fast talking. Are you guys like also blown away, or is it just Sandra <laughs> and I? <laughs> Are we just like, wow, she's so fast, and everybody's like. This. Yeah, she talks pretty quick. She, she's fine.
0: <laughs> this is fine. This is normal. Uh,
2: well, whatever. This was an interesting episode.
0: Everything that Emily just talked about did in fact happen. Mm-hmm. We see some positive growth
3: and a lot of yeah. I felt
0: like it was a hard episode. It's a hard episode to do the summary cuz I felt like every scene for the, for this episode was still kind of important and something needed to be mentioned.
2: Yeah. So yeah. I don't well, there were like... three distinct storylines happening throughout this episode. Yeah. Um right. rare rarely does Lane get her own storyline, but this is one where she had like one of the strongest storylines, mm-hmm. honestly.
3: Agreed, yeah. And I love yeah. Lane in this episode. She was so happy until Mrs. Kim crushed her dreams, as oh. Mrs. Kim is wont to do. Just comes in with yes. a hammer. Mm-hmm.
2: It did seem like momentarily maybe we were gonna get some hashtag justice for Lane, but nope. no no. No no. No, nope. Well, congratulations to Emily on a successful summary, and up first we have References with Sandra.
3: Hey, so for references this week i'm gonna focus on a couple cool references and a guest star as has become commonplace here in references so my first reference is actually one that emily brought up to me um and that's when zach is being a creep towards lorelei and rory calls her pamela DeBrera's. so pamela is a well-known groupie especially during the 60s and 70s. She wrote a memoir detailing her experience named I'm With the Band, Confessions of a Groupie. Uh, She has been romantically linked to several notable artists such as Mick Jagger, Jimmy Page, Heath Moon, Jim Morrison, Woody Allen, and Don Johnson. Uh, But she actually married Michael DeVerez, the lead singer of Silverhead, and we've actually met Michael before. Cause we've seen him on an episode of Gilmore Girls. He was on the Thanksgiving episode. He was the French man at the Gilmore um, party that Emily and Richard mm-hmm. throw. Oh my gosh! Yes. Wow. Claude so like three, three episodes later, <laughs> we reference his wife. They make a reference. Yeah, they make a reference to his ex-wife. But yes. Yeah. But also, I wish I would have known who he was, because yeah. Um, He's also very famous for playing Murdoch on Mac- MacGyver. Oh my goodness. I never watched MacGyver cuz I wasn't alive in the 80s. But yes, and he also plays the mentor of Murdoch on the new MacGyver that came out like 5 years ago or something. He came back.
0: <laughs> like um when I cuz cause you, cause you had mentioned I sent it to you, when I mm-hmm. I saw it in the trivia and I saw that he was just in the episode of Deep Fried Korean Thanksgiving and i went i i googled him and i looked at a picture of him and i was like i have no idea who this guy is i had to go <laughs> to his imdb to see what character he played cuz well first of all this was the first picture that came up but i we can share this later but he's like sucking his cheeks in so it gives his mm. face a little more definition than what
3: he normally has mm. but yeah i had to go look up to see who he played <laughs> he had some epic hair when he was younger it was oh, yeah. very 70s Rock star, down like Gil. Uh, Gil in the Gil. future has that kind of yeah. hair. But my next reference is Jane Mansfield, because if I'm not at least a little morbid during this <laughs> session, who is am it I? really a reference? <laughs> yeah, is it really a reference? So uh, Lorelai calls the fish she caught Jane after Mansfield, and Jane Mansfield was a sex symbol from the fifties and sixties. She was well known for her very publicized personal life and publicity stunts. She was a trademark blonde. Along with Marilyn Monroe, they kind of brought that blonde bombshell image to the forefront. She was also really into the color pink. Her house was pink. Her car, everything was pink. But this woman was beautiful, curvaceous, and oh my gosh, she was such a bad girl. Mm. So here's the thing. She basically opened her doors to Hollywood. She did not mind publicity. She loved it. She was constantly photographed and um, she was all about that. So she would purposely wear dresses that would get ruined at the bust, and not wear a bra underneath. Right. So her dress was spill open. Uh, her dress would fall or her bikini would get untied or she would just straight up go topless sometimes. She was very daring and there's a very famous photograph of Sophia Loren looking over at her because her she's wearing this low-cut dress where her breasts are spilling out and um you can see like, i think one, one of them is out and you can <laughs> yeah and you can see Sophia yeah. Loren just like looking at her in, with disdain specifically looking at her boobs with disdain exactly yes because Sophia Loren's partner was right next to her at the time and was paying a lot of attention to miss Banfield. so people disliked her because she was too daring she was too quote-unquote pornographic she was too much i disagree with a lot of these statements i think if she, whatever she wanted to do is what she did but unfortunately in 1967 after leaving an event she her attorney and her driver as well as her three kids were involved in a horrible car accident With a tractor trailer. The three adults were killed instantly, but the children survived with minor injuries. They were asleep in the back. And because Mm -hmm. of that, they went under the tractor trailer. Right? Oh, wow. So the three people died instantly in the front, but the kids were saved because they were laying down. But after her death, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, wow, what a mouthful, recommended requiring an underride guard so cars could not slip through under trailers. And that is actually called the Mansfield Bar now on oh, Travis. Wow. But speaking of her children, one of them, do you guys know this? I Just think I this. do. One of her kids is Mariska Haggerty. What? Hagerty, uh, who grew up to be an actor herself. You can catch her on SVU as the incredible Olivia Benson. Yep.
2: <laughs> that, I did not
3: know that yes. Jane Mansfield was her mom. Uh-huh. -hmm. They actually look very similar. It's just that the coloration is different. Yeah. Yeah. And different hair color and stuff. But, like, if you look at it side by side, they actually look very similar. I love Olivia (laughs) Benson very much. But the last thing I'm going to focus on is a guest star who we've actually seen before, but we've never talked about because we focus on the other band members. And that is Todd Lowe, a.k.a. Zach he's not too much of a ca- big character right now but we do know he becomes one so i thought it was finally time to just talk about todd we've talked about adam we talked to john so todd's next yay so todd lowe's most famous role is probably not zach it's true terry, blood. yeah terry uh belfield bellevue bellevue i don't remember i don't remember bellevue but terry but terry Terry was on True Blood, and he played a PTSD-suffering war veteran who worked as a short-order cook at the bar and grill that Sookie worked at. Not to be Sookie. confused Sookie. with our Sookie. Sookie. I actually did Can watch- right. do their
2: best, Sookie?
3: Sookie.
0: Sookie. Sookie. If you haven't watched
3: True Blood- <laughs> Maybe don't. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, but I actually did watch it for a couple of seasons, and I really loved Terry. Um, he was I great. Was so excited when mm-hmm. I saw
0: him come onto that show. I was like, oh, "It's
3: Zach!" I mean, obviously it wasn't yeah. Zach, but I did not recognize him, and it took me years to realize. Really? That. Oh wow! Yes. He looks exactly the well, same. Well, right? he has like a beard, and he's just Meh. he acts so differently, right? Well, yeah. like a normal human adult. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, kind of. No, Terry <laughs> is wonderful. I loved True Blood. I was obsessed with True Blood. Terry is wonderful. And it makes me sad because I feel like they could as have an more. actor, he's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the character of Zach really didn't give him the material.
3: That yeah. He could Literally in my notes, I'm like, Todd, you're a great actor because I'm not really a fan of Zach, but boy, did I love Terry. Right? So. But fun fact he's also been a singer and guitarist for the Pillbury Knights. A country okay. rock band and is now part of the la hootenanny another rock band oh, it's all that hootenanny <laughs> <laughs> um, but those are the members of hep alien and mine is of course lane and those were my references this week and up next we have a song with emily books movies and music with
0: emily so this week, I know we do see Rory walking around with a book in her hand a couple of times. Uh, she has it when Lane gets off the bus, and she has it at the student council meeting. It is a book we've already done, though, so oh, not re-reading. helpful. Yep, she's rereading. And it took way more detective work to figure out what that book was than I, than I like. So Aww. instead, we are doing Ave Maria, which has a background that I didn't really expect, so... I'm actually kind of excited about this one. Ave Maria, we obviously have Dave playing it, and he is accompanied by a singer singing the song at the end of a wedding. As Sandra mentioned, a little depressing to be singing the song at a wedding. I told Sean what I was doing for reference, and he's like, oh, a lot of movies use that to kill people, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's like murder scenes and Christmas. Yes. Time. <laughs> That's when you hear
3: Ave Maria. <laughs>
0: On Call the Midwife, it's performed at a funeral.
3: Yeah, yeah. it makes sense. Anyway. I think it is beautiful. a funeral song, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, the Ave Maria performed in this episode. It is the version composed by Franz Schubert in 1825, and is re- was released in, in part of his opus number 52. It is a uh, setting of seven songs, and it was written for Walter Scott's 1810 narrative poem, The Lady of the Lake. So the Lady of the Lake has like seven, I uh, they call it cantos, I think. I kind of took it to be like verses, each one yeah. taking up one day, one day. So this one is for the third verse, I believe. But the original title is actually translated from German. It was written in German, and it was called Ellen's Richard Gesang? Translates to Ellen's third song. I do not speak German. <laughs> I am so sorry for however... I butchered that Ellen's (laughs) third song, but it gets the name Ave Maria due to its opening words, which is the Latin name of the Hail Mary prayer. It does seem it was intended to be released with the English translation as well. So Franz Schubert actually wrote both the German and the English versions was my understanding. Mm -hmm. So as mentioned, it was written for the poem, The Lady in the Lake, which has three main plots. The first being a contest among three men trying to win the love of Ellen Douglas. It takes place in Scotland. The second plot being the feud and reconciliation of King James V of Scotland and James Douglas, Ellen's dad. And finally, the war between Lowland Scots and the Highland Clans. In the poem, Ellen, the Lady of the Lake has gone with her exiled father to stay in the Goblin's Cave as he has declined to join their previous host, Roderick Dew, one of the men trying to win Ellen's heart, in rebellion against King James. So Roderick sets off up the mountain with his warriors, because the Dew's leading an army, but at one point he lingers and he hears the distant sound of a harpist accompanied by Ellen, who is singing a prayer to the Virgin Mary. Ave Maria calling upon her for help. Basically if you read through the lyrics it's mostly asking for protection. So the first known performance of Ave Maria was at the castle of Countess Sophia Weissenwolf Weissenwolf in the mm-hmm. small Austrian town of Sterig and was dedicated to her leading her to become known as the Lady of the Lake as well. So we had our fake one of Ellen Douglas and then we also had a real one Countess Sophia as well. Uh, The opening words and refrain of Ellen's song most likely led to the idea of adapting Schubert's melody as a setting for the full text of the traditional Roman Catholic prayer. So Mm -hmm. this song came out, the poem came out, music came out, and the Roman Catholic Church then adopted it for their Ave Maria Hail Mary prayer. They did not go hand in hand.
3: I've heard this uh, prayer so many times back when Mm -hmm. I was a practicing Catholic. So like I know it to be a Catholic
0: prayer. Yeah.
3: So it's interesting to find out that it, no. Well, it is, but no.
0: Yeah, I found that very interesting as well because like this song, I just, like you, and I didn't grow up in a Catholic church, but I just immediately associate it with Roman Catholic Mm -hmm. Catholicism. So to learn that they came out completely separately and then the church kind of adopted it into their prayer kind of surprised me. Also, I want to read, like, a good, like, a not-old-English version of this story. Because <laughs> I am intrigued. The Lady of the Lake story? Yeah, I mean, when you said goblins, I was like, oh, okay, this is a cool story. Right? It's, she's in, like... <laughs> she, she went to stay in the goblin's cave. And so, like, I'm reading about it, and I'm thinking, what goblin? Where is the <laughs> goblin? I need information right. about this goblin. <laughs> But yeah, that was Ave Maria. Uh, if you do look it up, there are multiple songs called Ave Maria by multiple composers. This is the one specifically by Franz Schubert. I think Mozart or Bach might have had one as well. Not the same version. But yeah, that's I, I found this intriguing. It's cool.
2: Yeah, I've never thought about the origins. I literally, it's like a song that i hear at christmas. <laughs> yeah. And a song that you occasionally hear when there's like a hit being done in yeah. a film. And <laughs> it's,
0: it's like said, Ave
3: Maria and Amazing Grace are like the sad songs.
0: Yes. They're played <laughs> yeah. at funerals, during death, and apparently at the end of a Kim wedding. Yeah. Which to be fair, mm-hmm. if this woman was brought over from the old country, might be fitting for her to be saying prayers for, for prayers of protection. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> But after that, we have Fashion with Jess. Making fashion choices,
2: making fashion choices, making fashion choices with Jess. Okay, this episode is an interesting one for fashion because I feel like we have a very strong duality. We've got dressed up and we've got dressed down. I'm going to hit just a few outfits throughout the episode and focus more on a few. Last week's episode, fashion was a sprawling, or I guess last two episodes ago, it was very sprawling, not a lot of direction. It was just me and Sandra. We were lost in the woods without Emily.
0: <laughs> I do provide time, a lot of direction. going to get
2: down to it. <laughs> so, I do want to call out the first two scenes that we see the Gilmore Girls in, which is the essentially the garage scenes, just because I really love their winter wear. I think that Lorelai especially, she's got this green sweater with, like, stripes on one sleeve and this, like, thin white puffy vest. Something about that combination, it's just like, this is Gilmore Girls Mm -hmm. to me. Like, she's got the perfect kind of feathered hair. Her makeup is great. She's got these periwinkle blue gloves on. This is Gilmore Girls to me. I love it. Rory's in a shearling jacket, like peak Gilmore fashion. It's not warm.
0: If you're going into a cold no. climate, do not we, put these no. clothes on and expect to stay warm. No. Emily,
3: we actually Absolutely went through not. this last a uh, couple weeks ago because <laughs> she wore her best last episode too. It's like just with yeah, a long sleeve yeah, yep. Her style this season. No,
0: I think I mentioned that in our initial Lost recording of the last episode. <laughs> Uh, the lost episode. Ugh. Well,
2: we're not going to no. lose this one, but I love this. And then when we pop back to the garage with the band, I just, I really liked what Lorelai was wearing. I know it's kind of bizarre. She's got this, um, this Baker boy cap, another different puffy vest, a long sleeve, something about the brown pants and like the gray and reddish brown striped long gloves, I'm kind of obsessed with this look. Like I would wear this. she looks
0: great. Yeah.
2: She looks like she could audition for Newsies. It's, it's a lot of, yes, which is an incredible (laughs) movie musical starring Christian Bale. But no, there's something about this outfit that it's like, it's so Lorelei, they get the quirks, I think just right. Sometimes they try to like turn the quirks up to 11. This is perfect. I know a lot of people are going to look at this and be like, Jess, you're crazy. You've oh, said so it before. For the first time. And I was wrong then, either.
3: <laughs> oh, Emily, you missed my my facts from childhood. <gasps> I was obsessed with brown when I was a teenager. Okay. So I would wear yeah. a oh, lot yeah. of brown oh and black, which is basically what Lorelai's wearing now. I was a soft goth. I, I or I coined a
2: new term, which is I was go- a goth. <laughs> 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 which is a soft goth as well. How tired were you guys? <laughs> We went alone. <laughs> we
3: just
2: missed you. That's all. Uh, but jumping back to this episode, um, that that duality I talked about with the dressing up versus dressing down, I want to focus on the dressing down first, which is what I'm going to call Lorelai's fishing outfit. <laughs> um, it's seen most clearly on the front lawn with Luke, and this is definitely like Lorelai went out and bought fishing clothes. She's got a bucket hat that clips up on the side. You get it out of your vision. She's got a fishing vest with all kinds of bits and bobs. She's got a bunch of flies, which she won't need because she's not fly fishing. She's got her fingerless periwinkle gloves and the pièce de résistance. She's wearing thigh waders, which are those weird boot things she's got. Normally... You would wear them with a belt, and they're kind of like garters. That's what those little loops hanging off to the side are. She's just got them, you know, tightened around her thighs because she is, in fact, standing in her front yard and does not <laughs> to be, need to be wearing waiters. I know that this is a silly outfit. I know that this is an outfit that she put together for this date, and it's supposed to be kind of comical to us because Lorelai doesn't know what she's doing. There's something about her, like genuinely trying in this outfit that this is another iconic Gilmore outfit to me. I agree. Yeah. Like, Lorelai's fishing date outfit is so... <laughs> oh, no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Emily has got the least flattering snips from this episode. Completely
0: unintentional.
2: <laughs> we'll share it with you on our Instagram, but... Just something about this outfit is really sweet. And then she's got this brown uh, turtleneck ribbed sweater underneath the fishing vest. And then the next morning when we see her go actually on her fishing date, she's added another layer. She's added kind of like a purpley blue jacket. I just really like it. Like I said, I feel like it's a very iconic Gilmore Girls look. And then on the other side of that coin, I want to talk about dressing up, which is the Kim wedding. And the Kim wedding is really interesting because obviously we have Lane's dress, which is a point of discussion between her and Dave. She's got this kind of deep red um, velvet dress. It's got little puff sleeves. It's knee length. And it's got this big bow on the back. Honestly, I think it's kind of cute. I do too. I know that like she seems to not think very much of it, but I think it's. A pretty cute I dress. I completely disagree. <laughs> oh, I would okay. have been
3: humiliated to wear that kind of dress. I was never, when I was a teenager, I was not a dress person. And my mom mm-hmm. kept trying to make me a dress person. Right. Not in a bad way. Yeah. Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, that would have been a kind of dress that she would have wanted me in. And I would have rebelled. I would have been like, nope, no way in hell. Yeah.
0: Well, I, mean I would to say that gigantic bow on the back would not have been necessarily, like, in at the time. I think something like that mm-hmm. might be in almost now just because it's unexpected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other mm-hmm. than the giant bow, though, I think Lane looks great. I think oh, she yeah, looks she so does. cute.
2: Yeah. I think my one, like, real criticism of this dress is that it feels maybe a little young mm-hmm. for yeah. Lane. Like, this would be... If you had... An eight year old, and you were going to do family Christmas photos, this dress would be a shoot. It would be great. Totally Um, put it on
0: my almost five year old daughter.
2: (laughs) Yes, totally. The other thing I want to highlight in this episode, um, and I don't want to go too into detail because I'm not super knowledgeable about it and I don't want to give any misinformation, is the um, hanbo, which are the traditional Korean outfits that are being worn by a couple of members of the family and also the bride. I just, I wanted to highlight them because there is this mix of, like, Korean culture and then American culture where you have, you know, the groom is in a suit, but the bride is in her beautiful hanbok, And then there were, I think, maybe two aunts who were earlier in the the wedding scene who are wearing, like, light-colored ones. And they're stunning. Um, I just think it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And I think especially with, like, the rise of K-pop being more of, a, like, a worldwide phenomenon people are more recognizing these outfits Mm -hmm. but at the point that this show was published this might have been a lot of people's first introduction to those Mm -hmm. garments and that culture's fashion i really appreciate like the show choosing to go the traditional route because they very easily could have put this bride in a traditional wedding dress and like had her be the the you know, sad Korean woman in the Americanized wedding dress. But she has a little bit of her culture there. And I think it's really stunning. So if you haven't watched this episode in a while, I think it's worth going back and taking a peek at because it really is gorgeous. And yeah, that is this week's fashion recap. And I think we had a really good mix this time. I would say I think that the bride is the best dressed. She deserves it. (laughs) She's stunning. Her makeup and hair is on point. She deserves it. Uh, And no worse
3: dressed. Did I miss anything? Did either of you love or hate something? Um, nothing really stuck out to me. Yeah. Is it weird that I would wear Alex's like sweatshirt slash sweater that he was wearing? It wasn't a sweatshirt. The, it was a sweater. Oh, the one in the yeah. first. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. I, really I know.
0: <laughs> at the co that co- at the coffee house, like like yeah. maroon colored, the maroon
3: turtleneck. Okay. Yeah. I just really liked it. Uh, it probably would be something I would wear.
0: Yeah. Look mm-hmm. cozy.
2: Well, after fashion, we have Stars Hollow Speaks.
3: So, I did put a poll about Nicole. We didn't talk too much about Nicole because we really haven't met her yet, right? All we really know about her is that she's a lawyer, she was Taylor's lawyer, and Luke asked her out. But I asked our audience do you like Nicole? And the three options were, I I do like her. She's so boring, but okay. She's all right. And I really dislike her. 69% voted. She's so boring, but she's okay. Oh, 25% voted. They really disliked her. And only one person voted that they liked her.
0: As of this point in time in the show and and honestly for a while i would go with the she's so boring but all right mm-hmm. but knowing mm-hmm. how the luke nicole relationship ends it, it goes to an i really dislike her yeah i that's my vote i mean
2: at this at yeah. this moment her greatest crime is that she's not lorelei yeah basically no
0: her greatest her greatest crime is that she's a lawyer specifically <laughs> well, for taylor fair
3: true I don't really remember the Nicole storyline. I feel like her episodes are typically ones that I skip. Would so you like, like me
0: to remind you? No, no.
3: I let just... it surprise me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I remember the cruise. Yes, I remember, I the, do cruise remember the cruise. And the, yeah. the story
3: about the glasses. Ugh.
0: oh, Poor yeah. Luke.
3: I want that time back. <laughs> it seems like most people just think she's kind of a little boring.
0: yeah. Well, sorry. Nicole. I mean, it might be like you, Sandra, that most people I might be boring. don't remember. No, your opinion. I'm sorry. I said that My wrong. My opinion is boring? I say a lot of things <laughs> wrong. Just it's let fine. me finish. <laughs> me and Emily are going to have a full on fight. might be like you in that the Nicole storyline is ultimately so boring <laughs> that they, they forget remember? how it ends.
2: Yeah. yeah. Which would be fair. Um,. Well, we don't have a lot of other Stars Hollow Speaks this week, so we thought that we would take this opportunity to remind you all that a lot of work goes into this podcast, we absolutely love making it for you, Um, but we do have a couple of people out there, listeners, who are helping us with the podcast by supporting us financially, Um, so big shout out to Sarah and to Elle, Uh, and we wanted to remind you that you can also become a supporter of us through our Buy Me a
3: Coffee page. Yep, and we're still... Guys, someone send us a voice message, please. Yeah, we haven't gotten a voice
0: message yet. We want to
2: respond to you guys. Yes, and we do recognize you have to make an account on Acre to do that. So if that's going to be something that's going to keep everybody from doing it, Then we'll look for another option, but you guys have to tell us this. Right now, we just think you don't like us, and you don't want to give us a call. You
3: can also (laughs) send us on Instagram. That's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Yes. But, yeah, I want to hear your voice.
2: We haven't been able to check our voicemails even once.
0: I literally spent 15 minutes explaining to my grandpa today how to check his voicemail on his flip phone. (laughs) So, please, let me check a voicemail that I will enjoy listening to.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But we're ending the episode with coffee. Guys, we're going to have a great coffee debate. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So here's the deal. Here are the facts. I'm going to give you facts and then we debate. Okay? Okay. Moraline says she's had 15 mini cups of coffee. On the table, there's 14 little cups. But Alex brings over two cups. So it's kind of saying like they both had a cup each. Right? So that would be Mm. seven. So she only drinks one that we see she only takes a yeah. sip from one do we count fifteen seven or one
2: well and the other part of this date was that they were going to two coffee shops so that's probably where she drank the other seven right because it seems like they're each getting a cup mm-hmm. each time yeah there's seven on the table they probably did seven at the last place i feel
0: like they're not a full cup that mm-hmm. was my thought oh uh, because they're cups maybe like a half small cup. yeah they're like an espresso cup especially so, compared to what like Luke serves.
3: Am I just counting like am I doing a 0.5 for the one that she does drink? But
0: the running rule has been if we don't see it it doesn't count. Right, she does <laughs> really only does drink one.
3: The one. Yeah. yeah. So if we go with that then it's a 0.5 because it's not a full cup. Mhm. She drinks two other times with Suki at the inn and then at Luke's um while she's waiting for Rory. And so that gives her 2.5 cups of coffee. Rory does not drink coffee during this episode. Rory's been on a real coffee drought recently. Yeah,
2: she's which just
0: surprising considering Chilton. she's dating Jess.
3: <laughs> well, We yeah. were
0: suspecting that her coffee
3: consumption would go up when she started dating Jess. Um, Well, we don't really get to see them hang out too much, which kind of sucks. True. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Rory has just had a lot of scenes at Chilton, and yeah. with Lane... So it's just places that you normally don't drink coffee. But yeah, Lorelai had her 2.5 and or 15. No, and or 17 and or 13. But <laughs> we're, we're just going to say 2.5. That's fair. Yeah. I think that, that works. I will agree with that. It's on-screen drinks only. Mm-hmm. But that was this episode. Thank you for listening. My name was Sandra.
2: My name is Jess, but not Mariano.
3: And my name was Emily, but
0: not Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you next week. Bye. 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 Hey guys, as always, we love to hear from you. You can reach us on Instagram or Twitter at Town Meeting Pod. Shoot us an email at townmeetingpod at gmail.com, or you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com townmeeting. Thanks.